especially for someone who is like in the thick of it, one tiny hole that brings any sort of like sunbeam in can be enough in that moment. Welcome to this week's story episode. I'm your host, Jessica Pate, and I'm so glad you're here. In many ways, our podcast is all about heroes. Every mom who shares her story here is offering something heroic. In vulnerability, they hold up a mirror, a place we can go to witness parts of our own paths and be reminded that we aren't alone. This journey is hard. Whether it's fellow moms in the trenches or heroes of a totally different kind, we need people to look to. Effie Parks shares her story today about some of the things that her own heroes have taught her about staying rooted in the present when the future feels like too much. Michael J. Fox is one of my heroes. He's one of my heroes because he's courageous, because he's a leader, and because he believes in optimism in the face of despair. He's one of my heroes because he lifts up those who aspire to those traits. But you know, one of the other things I love about Michael J. Fox, that there are a million other reasons to love him too. Michael J. Fox has been a part of my life for decades, and not for reasons I could have imagined when I was a kid. Let me take you back to when I was a little girl in Montana. We didn't have a big fancy TV, but I can still remember snuggling up next to my siblings on the couch as we popped back to the future into the trusty old VHS machine. Marty McFly was the epitome of cool, and I was pretty sure I was too, rocking my crimped hair and denim skirt. So I loved him when I was growing up. Who didn't have a crush on Marty McFly and his sparkling side smile? Marty was cool and saved the day, so the future didn't collide with the past. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Who didn't love Marty McFly? I mean, we all had our crushes. I'm trying to go back and remember mine. Looking back, I think I always loved brave women. Wonder Woman, Charlie's Angels, the bionic woman, totally dating myself right now. Those were women who inspired me because they were strong and they were courageous and they got the bad guys. when I was 18, I learned Michael J. Fox had named his baby girl Esme. I thought it was the most beautiful name I had ever heard, and I tucked it away as my secret baby name. Most moms out there will know what I mean. The name you never tell anyone for fear they will use it first. The only person I ever told about it was my best friend, Kelly. I would keep that name secret until I had a baby girl of my own. But before that happened, my husband Casey and I had a little boy, Ford Cannon Parks. Ford was born just over five years ago now. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Ford has piercing blue eyes and a wild mop of curly hair. So blonde, it's white. 
It reminds me a lot of Doc's hair in Back to the Future. Ford tries harder at everything than anyone I've ever met. And he has an infectious, world-famous laugh that could warm the Grinch's heart. Ford was born with a rare disease called CTNN-B1 syndrome, a severe neurodevelopmental disorder. His body doesn't produce enough of a protein called beta-catenin. Beta-catenin impacts all aspects of growth and development. His tone is very complicated. No, not the kind of tone people are usually talking about when they use the word. His voice isn't high, low, or in between. Ford can't speak. That's just another piece of his disability. What I'm talking about is his muscle tone. He has super low tone in his trunk and just as super high tone in his arms and his legs. Imagine carrying around an excited kangaroo in a sack. A little bit of dead weight, but with these wild limbs that kick and punch and kick and punch, usually when you're least expecting it. Up until then, I had thought of Michael J. Fox mainly because of my teenage crush on Marty McFly and because I loved his baby girl name. But now I began to realize that Michael J. Fox had a role in my adult life, too. He and Ford had a lot in common. Medicine. Disease. A zest for life, no matter what. I was sitting in a clinic room at the neurologist, and she told me the new drugs Ford would need to take, and that they're typically prescribed to Parkinson's patients. There he was again, Michael J. Fox, in my neurology appointment. He's the only person I knew who had Parkinson's. At that time in Effie's life, she was juggling a lot. She's still juggling a lot. Ford was a tiny baby using a nasal feeding tube. She had hours of weekly appointments, and she was running her own business as a hairstylist. I had to pretend things were rosy. Nobody likes a depressed hairstylist. I listened to my clients' joys and sorrows and everything in between. Every day, I left work feeling even more depleted. I felt like whatever breath I did have left in me, I was freely giving it away to client after client. It started to feel like breathing was a chore. It was my new normal, even though I knew it was not normal. I can relate to this. I think many of us can. We are no strangers to being on autopilot and to burnout in this community. It can appear in so many ways, like there's an unplugged drain somewhere in the core of me pulling energy out of even the most simple day-to-day things, out of my hope and excitement for the next year, next month, even the next day. I didn't know it was anxiety. I had never had that. I didn't know that anxiety was defined as actually living in the future which I was doing twofold. I was grieving the future of this fictional life I thought I would have, and I was also living in another fictional future where my son's lifespan would be shortened. I was in a constant state of back to the future. It was torture, suffocating. I realized that Michael J. Fox had fought that fear too, and fought to retain his optimism about his life and his future. Over this last year, I've felt a tweak here or there in my back. Ford is only five, and lifting him is already starting to take a toll on my body. It scares me. Terrifies me, really. 
what if I injure myself and can't pick him up? I have to pick him up. I can't just tell him, sorry, Ford, mommy can't get you out of bed today. My back hurts. Or, sorry, little dude, can't pick you up. Can you maybe walk the rest of the way? I will likely be lifting this boy for as long as I live, or for at least as long as I can. I knew I had to get serious about my physical fitness, so we recently invested in The Mirror. It's an amazing home workout system. It's an investment we made to ensure that I can be strong enough to lift this beautiful child from his bed to my lap, from my lap to his wheelchair, from his wheelchair to the car seat. And once again, Michael J. Fox is there. There's a dresser next to where I work out in front of the mirror, and on it is, no time like the future, an optimist considers mortality, Michael J. Fox's most recent book. I put it there after I finished reading it, and I can't bring myself to move it because it feels like it's meant to be there, to remind me of what I'm fighting for. Those words from one doctor, shorten lifespan, ran through my head constantly. I still don't know what shortened lifespan might mean for Ford. I've chosen not to dwell on those words. When I think about those days, when I would go back to the future, I remember how I felt like it was literally choking me. When I go back to all of that trauma, thinking about what would happen in the future for my beautiful child, what we were told he wouldn't become. Doc is constantly chastising Marty McFly about the future. Having information about the future can be extremely dangerous, he says. Even if your intentions are good, it can backfire drastically. Ain't nobody got time to dwell on a shortened lifespan. Me having information on what could be Ford's future was devastating. It was ruining my spirit and taking my light, never being able to catch my breath, and literally struggling to breathe. It was exhausting. Michael J. Fox's story and hard-won optimism was a lifeline. What are our lifelines? When the future seems like too much, what do you come back to time and time again? Sometimes it can be a recurring theme, like MJF's story and his journey. Or maybe it's a belief system or a practice. Meditation, going on long walks, prayer, a good meal, therapy... What helps you breathe? There's one more Michael J. Fox connection to my life. In 2018, I became pregnant with a daughter. My husband and I had a whole list of names. I hadn't told him about my secret baby girl name. My friend Kelly, who has called me almost every day since I met her, kept asking if I was naming her Esme. I don't know, I said. I feel weird now. I probably would have gone with something on our list had it not been for Kelly, reminding me how much that name had meant to me for over a decade. It was a couple weeks before my due date and I told my husband that Esme is what I had always wanted to name a baby girl. He loved it. And Esme Amaris Parks was born at the exact time of that year's blood wolf moon eclipse. And like that eclipse, she was extraordinary. She's Esmazing. And she is her brother's biggest defender. So when it feels like the flux capacitator is getting overloaded and I'm going 88 miles an hour in a day, I take a few deep breaths and head to my mirror and move my body 
and I see Michael J. Fox's book, I see a fighter that I'm proud to have on my team. Thanks, Marty, for introducing me to the real hero. Welcome back to the show. It's good to be with you again. Hello, Jessica. Thank you. I'm super excited to see you again, even if it's not in person this time. I know. I know. I can't wait for you to come back to the Napa Center so we can have a yummy, delicious lunch or dinner together. Yes, totally. Totally. I get to see my friend Ford. Is he ever in a bad mood and get on your nerves? Because he just seems way too adorable for that. And I don't mean to (laughs) say that in a way that minimizes any hard moments, but he's so cute. Yes, thank you. The things that have been getting on my nerves lately is he has been screaming a lot and it's happy screaming, but it is like prom girl night of scream singing, screaming, and I can't get him to stop. So I don't know what kind of stimming that is. He doesn't really understand that it's loud. So those are the moments I am like, Ford, you're not cute. This is not cute. You are not (laughs) cute. Oh, man. Yeah, that's hard on a mom's nerves and ears. I wanted to ask you, when did the Michael J. Fox metaphor hit you? Was it all along or did you just realize it at some point when you went to sit down and write the story, all these parallels? You know, I think when I started actually thinking about him on a weirdly regular basis, (laughs) I know I'm like such a creepy stalker, was in that appointment when she gave us these drugs, you know, these really powerful crossing the blood brain barrier drugs and told me that they were normally targeted for Parkinson's patients. And I thought, well, wouldn't you know, Uh, because, you know, he's such an advocate and most of anybody, you don't have to be in the rare disease world, knows that Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's. Tell me again what you remember just kind of growing up and how you fostered this love of his character and just Michael J. Fox. Well, I think we all have like a couple of those like movies, right, that we grew up with that kind of shaped our existence. Uh, It was so much different then, I think, than it is now. There wasn't as much information overload. And like we matched our clothes to these people and like said things and like, you know, kids started skating from it. I don't know. Um, I feel like there was just so much more of a special nook for these characters in these movies when we were growing up, as opposed to now. Maybe I'm wrong. I can see that, Um, Effie. No, I can see that because we had to wait for so much that it was so meaningful to us when we got to go to the movies. These, you know, young whippersnappers today, they just like download, 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 switch. Yeah. Yeah. And how exciting that was, right? Um. And I, you know, I come from a really small town in Montana. So the kids I saw were trying to be like kids like Michael J. Fox, right? Like he was a city kid. He was so cool. Like, you know, most of my friends lived on farms and, you know, we played in the woods all day. So he had a very cool, he had a very cool life. And every, who doesn't love time travel? I mean, time travel is amazing. I'm still obsessed with time travel movies now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, that made us all wish and wonder and want to time travel. Evie, this was your first attempt at writing this story in particular. Yeah. The only other writing I do is like on my computer, in my journal, on posts, you know, especially like in the beginning when I was so drenched in fear and stuff with uh, having Ford. 
like I hadn't made a blog before or anything like that. My outlet's been audio, right? Like I, I make podcasts and that's how I've shared my story, but I hadn't really sat down to like write one yet. Well, I thought you did amazing. It was absolutely a lovely piece. So I hope you keep writing. I hope since you posted that, you are writing more stories. Thank you. Yes, I am definitely trying to kind of mix those things for me because it does. It has a different cathartic aspect to it. I agree. It's very – and I I like to write like actual with a pen and paper. I don't write on the computer as a starting place. What about you? Uh, I actually wish I could handwrite because I love – the romance of it. But I was a hairstylist for like 20 years and I have the worst uh, like carpal tunnel in my hands. So even writing one paragraph, my my wrist hurts and my hand hurts. So it's really frustrating to actually have to pick up a pen. And it's a bummer. But thank goodness for technology. Effie, have you shared your love of Michael J. Fox with Michael J. Fox? Have you tried contacting him or tagging him with your piece? No, I just tagged him on Twitter. Um, but something funny did happen just like weeks after that. I found out I my podcast won a WeGo Health Award and they flew us to Boston to accept it at a ceremony. And it was at this health conference. It's like the world's largest health conference. And weirdly enough, Michael J. Fox was one of the speakers at the event. He was he was doing it virtually. Um, and I wasn't there for that. I think you had to have like a really extra special ticket to see his speech. But we were kind of at the same event. That was super random. And just another piece where I was like, this is so weird. I think we're supposed to be friends, Michael. Wow. What do you think about us moms having heroes for our everyday life? You know, my mantra is I'll take all the help I can get. So get it wherever you can and get it in every form that you can, whatever it speaks to you. Obviously, you need things to look forward to and people to look up to and people to learn from and situations to find yourself in, in other people's story, right? So you don't feel different and alone and separate. And I think that's the beauty of when people tell their stories, right? Like you can see how similar we are and you can find something usually about something someone's gone through or you can find a piece of that in your own life. And I think it can just really be transformative. And I think it helps you process through things. It helps you let go of things. And it hopefully causes us to to reflect and be introspective and see the wisdom that they might be sharing in their own story and how does this apply to me or where can I go with this? How can I take this and apply it to my own life or my own thinking or my own patterns, my own behaviors? And even if it's just as small as sharing it with someone else, you know, like maybe you know someone who needs it. Maybe it could just be a little click of a button. True. And, you know, not everyone wants to write their stories and post them. Not everyone wants to have a podcast. Not everyone is writing a book, but just sharing your story over coffee with that mom that you see at school, you know, in that support group or whatever connects you is meaningful. So does it mean you have to put all this pressure on yourself to become some published whatever? Just having eye to eye, voice to voice connection and just sharing your war story, your war and love story is so connecting. Do you find that where you are 
you're finding your rare community there physically where you are, Effie, or do you find it mostly Um, online? Definitely mostly online. Although because of the podcast, I've found people in person that live near me. Uh, You know, like I hang out with my friend Jill Hawkins, who lives down the road, and Janet, who lives down the road, and my friend Kim Aldinger, who lives in the next town. And so I've definitely formed these bonds with some really special people that actually live near me because they found the show. Um, I think in terms of my rare disease community here, it's a little different because the world has been different for two years. So there hasn't been an opportunity to just go out and meet people and do the things. Um, So that could probably change a little bit going forward. That's also the beautiful thing about the internet and podcasts and things like this nature with being a parent to a kid like Ford is I don't have that freedom all the time to go and hang out with people and do all that stuff. So you have to find your communities in the ways that it fits into your life. Most of the time for families like ours, it's not in person. And you're okay with that. You've accepted that. You are making the most of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I have enough. Like I have people around me that are physical that I can like see and touch. And I wish I could see them more, but it's just not realistic for all of us. Our lives are nuts. You know, I wish I could see my friend Cynthia every day, but, you know, she's got a medically complex kid and like it's just not realistic. That's true. So we adjust. We're always adjusting. I think we're always adjusting our expectations as human beings, but especially as moms living this altered parenting life, we're always adjusting our expectations. Yeah. And you just really have to work towards discovering what you need. And if what you need is all in person, then you got to figure out how to make that work. And when you want something to work, you try your darndest to make it happen, right? So really just kind of being compassionate towards yourself and giving yourself patience and figuring out what you need is a good step. I love that. If only I could tell my younger self all about self-compassion. It's a it's definitely a movement that's finally shaking the ground and that is an exciting thing. It is. I'm excited for my kids. I feel like it's never too late to learn even no matter what age, but it's like I want to pour into my my teens now what I'm learning about self-compassion. So I write it on chalkboards and hope that they read it. <laughs> Good. They do. They read it. Even if they make fun of you now, they're going to love you about it later. So true. Well, let's go back to Michael J. Fox. He says, if you can find something to be grateful for, then optimism is sustainable. You've probably heard him say that. Yeah. I mean, especially imagining myself as a patient, right? Like if I can even remotely put myself in the shoes of Ford or Michael and then have all the extra stuff. Uh, with a family and existence and self-discovery. Absolutely. I think that that's good for your soul. I think it triggers chemicals in your body, even just the smallest bit, especially for someone who is like in the thick of it. I think one tiny poke, one tiny hole that brings any sort of like sunbeam in can be enough in that moment. I agree. I agree. So do you have a moment that you can call up right now where you felt like you were in the thick of it, the molasses of pain and internal agony about Ford's condition and what you did to pull yourself out or to allow that breakthrough sunbeam, Effie? You know, 
I, I think that what I found that was the most powerful part of that exactly was actually just letting it be there and not trying to pull myself out of it. That was probably one of the most powerful healing experiences of all of it. So just letting it be, recognizing it, observing it, allowing it versus pushing it away, trying to patch yeah. it with gratitude or optimism, but like really just feeling and kind of going all the way through the feelings. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think before when I would try to figure that out, right, of be grateful, find gratitude, find something positive, be happy, is that was just pushing the stuff down to where you needed to have that like a fix all the time rather than it was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was sun coming in. It was a relief. Um, and I think until you have this part equalized and find that, find that openness, you know, where you can just be okay with being yourself, that light is so much sweeter then. And if, if, if someday four could tell you what a hero that you that you have been for him, what would you hope that he would say? Oh, geez, now you're gonna make me cry like usual. Um, sorry, I'm crying too. It's okay. Don't be sorry. You know, I don't even care if Ford thinks I'm a hero. I just want Ford to feel so loved. I just want him to be comfortable because he is the most amazing person I've ever known. And he changes people. And I think I just want to know that he's he's okay. Yeah. Well, I've witnessed you in action with Ford and your love is palpable, Effie. It's so real. It's so there. It's so sweet. And it's so pure. So keep loving Ford. Thank you, Jessica. And I'm so glad that you got to meet him. He's just that medicine. You know, his laugh is just that medicine that feels so good. <laughs> All these kids, they're just, they're just special. I know. Ryan is always like dabbing me in the heart with his sweetness. You know? I know. <laughs> like what 18 year old man child would say, mom, we need to pray for Ukraine or getting in the car the other day. And that's what pours out of him, you know, like, okay, when I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs> totally. Totally. They are. There's just, they're so observant and empathetic and they never were filed down to like care about themselves over someone else, you know? They were never on guard. They're just open. They're always teaching us. Well, Evie, thank you for sharing your wonderful Michael J. Fox story and metaphors and parallels with us. And please, please keep writing. My pleasure. Thank you, Jessica. I'm really excited for the new addition to your podcast. I think people are going to love it. Thanks for letting me uh, be a part of it. you could do us a great favor by leaving a review and a rating. It helps our podcast get into the ears of more and more moms. Also, if you have never joined the international community and sisterhood of We Are Brave Together, 
go to our website, wearebravetogether.org, and fill out the little form to be a part. We are here to support you and validate you, encourage you, and give you resources for your journey as a mom. Thanks so much for listening.